So the days where it's obviously acknowledged by everyone is like Mother's Day. On those days, it's kind of just like implied. It just doesn't seem like something you would bring up. Like it's easier to talk about having a bad day because work was bad than being like, oh, well, you know, I was just really sad today because of this baggage I'm carrying for the rest of my life. Hey, y'all. Happy Monday and welcome to episode five of I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Today, y'all get to listen in on a conversation between my friend Katie Ryan and I. Katie and I officially met after college, yet we have had so many overlapping friends and friend circles. We think we just somehow missed each other during those four years of school. Y'all will hear more about Katie in today's episode, but I did want to say that I'm lucky to have someone like Katie in my circle. She's a constant source of good times and humor, and when she isn't working, hanging with her cat Sebastian, or playing Animal Crossing, she likes to donate her blood, spends time making comfort capes for our local child advocacy center, does virtual workout sessions, and participates in a yearly plane pull for the Special Olympics of North Carolina. She's also a member of the club no one longs to join, but we all end up a member one day, and that's the Dead Moms Club. Hey everyone, welcome to I've Been Better. On today's episode, y'all are going to meet my wonderful friend, Katie Ryan. She's actually sitting in front of me right now, patiently waiting to start talking. But I wanted to share a little bit about Katie before we got started today. I don't recall exactly the year at this point, but it's been at least around five years. It was through mutual friends that were working together and you were roommates with one of them. And so that is how Katie and I became friends. And as the years have gone on, you know, we're now in 2021. So that's about five, six years ago, I'd say we've formed our own friendship that is separate from the pair of people that we met through. And now we are good friends and share our common love for cats and enjoy a really good cup of tea and enjoy Golden Girls and anything meme related to Golden Girls. And then Katie and I have also found that we had a lot more in common than I think we realized when we first met each other. And there's something very serendipitous about how life will bring people together in that way. And hopefully we'll get to talk more about that today. But Katie works in finance. She is a VP, assistant VP. And yeah, so she's here today. Welcome, Katie. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. You know, with COVID, it's really nice that you hear people on the news and our experts saying, you know, have a COVID bubble if you feel safe to do that. And it's really nice because Katie actually lives right down the street from us. So she, in a way, has become part of our bubble, which is very nice. So you get to be here in person. Yes. Which is great. So welcome, welcome. So Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. Um, Let's see. I am 28 years old. <laughs> um, I am in the in the young professionals working world, I guess you would say. I like to watch a lot of television. Yeah. What um, are you watching right now? Nothing right now because I'm too addicted to playing Animal Crossing <laughs> on my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> so <laughs> I've taken a break from television uh, for the time being. Fair. It's pretty nice. Let's see. What was I watching? I was watching a show called The Blind Spot. It's about an FBI task force. But it got pretty cheesy, so I might stop watching that. Okay. That's <laughs> um, fair. Let's see what else about me. Like you said, love cats. I love tea. I love coffee. I like eating. <laughs> um, I love napping. 
And recently, or I guess not recently, for the entire past year of the pandemic, I've taken a lot of walks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's nice that we live close to a lake that has a three-mile walking trail. So nice. And if any of y'all are familiar with the Raleigh and Triangle area, we're full of greenways. Definitely. The, the pandemic, although has had a lot of barriers and hurdles of being able to do things, of course, we've still been able to get outside. Yeah. So I've actually gotten outside more this past year than I ever have before, probably. It's been nice working from home. You can take breaks during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can just schedule better. We were just talking about that on our walk this morning about how integrating back into society and going back to work for many is going to be very difficult, I can yeah. imagine, because if I use myself as an example, I I taught 20, 25 minutes of a drive from where we are to go to my office, which means I don't get home for 30 minutes at least after I finish my day. Yep. And then you have to make dinner and you do all these things. Right now, I just close my laptop. Yep. And I'm home. Yeah. And you can't, if you want to work out, you have to figure out where you're going to schedule that in. And showers. Mm -hmm. I feel like showering is so much more convenient now. <laughs> <laughs> Doing laundry on my breaks. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. That's going to be my task this week is to launder everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, good. Well, Katie, you and I, as I was mentioning at the beginning, we met through close friends. So I have a best friend that was working with your really close best friend at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I believe that's how we met. And I'm sure the first time we met could have been a tailgate or somebody's <laughs> birthday party or something yeah like I can't even remember at this point how I can't long it's been remember either which is so weird I feel like normally it's not that hard to pinpoint but our whole group I feel like was so intertwined anyway mm -hmm. that it's hard to trace back that's a really good point we didn't realize how many friends we shared yeah you know, for those of y'all that are familiar with North Carolina State University it's a massive school one of the largest schools, at least in our state, for sure. And it's so very small. Yeah. Yeah. You think definitely. you aren't going to have the same friends or you won't see people that you know, but everyone tends to be one degree separated from somebody that you know. Yeah. It is so weird. And I met the majority of this friend group at the pool over the summer oh, yeah. in college. And then later, years later, found out that everybody knew each other in other ways. And it was bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yeah. And so during that time... You know, I think we grew closer in our own way as well, which is really nice when you can meet people through friends and then build your own friendships through that. Mm -hmm. So, Katie, when I asked you to be on the podcast and if you were interested in getting to be a guest on the podcast, I asked you what comes to mind when you think about the phrase, I've been better when mm -hmm. someone asks how you've been, which is the premise behind the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, tell us a little bit about what comes to mind for you. Sure. So it's what I like to refer to as the dead mom club, <laughs> which sometimes makes people uncomfortable, but it makes me feel better. Yeah. So it's a club you never chose to sign up for. Exactly. It's a club you don't want people to be in, but everyone will get there eventually. Let's see. Yes. So back in 2010, my mom died from cancer. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's always a common um, feeling. I guess would be the word. So, yeah. During that time, so you were graduating from high school? Yes. 2010. So during that time, I can imagine there was such a dichotomy between wanting to have a fun senior year. <laughs> and correct me, did she die prior to your graduation or after graduation from high school? So funny story. She was diagnosed, um, I think when I was in sixth grade. And it was, it was very bleak outlook but she told them she went through a series of treatments some worked some didn't 
I feel like she was in remission for a few years, Mm -hmm. but she told her doctors that she wanted to make it to my high school graduation. My brother had already graduated and they told her she was crazy. She's like, it's just not going to happen. Like, it's not possible. And she's like, you're crazy. It's going to happen. We're going to do this. I'll be damned if I don't see my daughter graduate. Um, Yeah. So I did. She did make it to my college or my high school graduation, not my college graduation. And she actually, I moved into college August 13th. And she died August 10th. Shut up. Yeah. So she almost made it to college move in. But Holy moly. Yeah. Wow. So proved her doctors wrong. She did. And it sounds like she proved a lot of people wrong. Yeah. And held her promise to you. Yeah. Which was crazy. It's. Yeah. People can do crazy things. if They're motivated. Yeah. And there's something to say about the power of the mind in that way. Right. Of knowing that she has a terminal illness that is eating her alive. Yeah. Yet. We're going to make it. And she literally made it by the skin of her teeth. I mean, two months later, she wasn't with us anymore. We were all blown away. But yeah. Yeah. So you got to have graduation with your mom. I did. We went to Olive Garden after. Love. (laughs) You know, that has been a reoccurring theme on this podcast now. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. (laughs) It's going to where when we are allowed to eat indoors safely and not stress about getting ill or getting other people sick when we go out to Mm -hmm. eat. Olive Garden's the... I'm going to eat On so, my many, list. so many breadsticks. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. During that time, I'm sure many of us can relate to being asked, what are your plans for the future? How are you? How are you feeling? What a complicated answer. Oh, yes. When your mother is actively dying. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she was actively dying for so long. It's not like it was a short-lived thing. Yeah. Planning the future was tough. Timing, honestly, was good because I probably would have felt guilty going off to school if she was still sick. Yeah. But she would have murdered me if I didn't go to college. So Parents are like that. Yeah. They're like that. They don't want us to feel bad. Yet we're human. Yeah. So we're going to feel guilty because we feel like we should be there for our parents. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, not that it was a blessing, but I could kind of run away to school. Oh, it's an escape. Yeah. Live my own life and then not have to like, I could compartmentalize. Um, So that was good. But planning future wise was difficult. I thought at the time that I wanted to do ROTC. Um, Both my parents were officers in the military. And so it just kind of, I was like, well, that'd be cool. I could be an engineer. I could get my college paid for. Right. um, Join the military for a few years. And then one day, I don't know what happened. I woke up and I was like, I don't want to be an engineer and I don't want to be in the military. So I don't know what I was thinking. But that's why I was looking at all engineering schools. So I'd looked at like Virginia Tech, NC State. I'd applied to a couple other universities. And they were all kind of the same distance from home. Like there was nothing. There was a university close to home that my brother went to. And I didn't want to go to the same school as my brother. So (laughs) you had 18 years with him. You're like, get away. Yeah, exactly. So part of the college finding process was picking a school close enough to home that I could drive to and from easily in a weekend or last minute on a weekday. Your family's from Virginia? Yes. So I was living in Northern Virginia when I was looking for schools. So and then I just ended up at NC State. Wow. I know. And my whole life was based off that one decision. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about my own experience with that, too, of making decisions of where to go to college and how you end up where you are and how different your life could have been if you had made a different choice. Right. Yeah. We were going for a walk last last weekend, you and I, and I had recommended the book, The Midnight Library. Mm hmm highly recommend anyone who's a reader you can download it on any audiobook version i listen to it on libro you can get it on audible I'm sure google play has it it's a fantastic book please get it it is about um, quantum string theory and parallel universes of the different lives you could have lived based on the choices that you made oh wow 
So you're just saying it's funny to look back and see how you ended up at state and made the friendships that you made and how we then coincidentally found each other. Mm -hmm. But if you'd gone to a different school and hadn't applied to engineering schools, your life would look very different. Yeah. It's so crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were saying it was difficult to plan for the future Mm -hmm. and yet you made the choice to still go to state and leave home, which respectively you had to make that choice prior to your mother's passing (laughs) yeah you don't get to choose in august you choose in like december yeah where you're going to school what was that like if you feel comfortable sharing when people would ask are you doing how are you (laughs) feeling about going to college do you remember what you would say or how you felt so i do i actually remember after she died people are like you're still gonna go to school like shocked i was like was i supposed to stay home and cry for the rest of my life like life doesn't stop yeah it was never questioned like whether or not I would leave for school like I was going to school so yeah I think it was just part of the plan I was like yeah I'm going to school I wasn't that excited about it I hadn't it was I wasn't not planning for it but I had not gone shopping like I hadn't bought anything for my dorm I was kind of just waiting so that was weird that was very last minute so like I said she died on a Tuesday and I moved in on a Thursday or on a Friday and like Wednesday and Thursday, I just went to Walmart and bought like everything. Yeah. So just by the seat of your pants, like, yeah. okay, this is happening. I'm going to school now. Yeah. So in a way, your life did stop up until she died. Yeah. And it was interesting timing. Like, I think I went to the beach with my friend's family in July, which I was forced to go, not forced to go on that trip, but she wouldn't have let me stay home from that either. And I think we knew treatments weren't working, but we hadn't started going downhill yet, which could happen like over a span of months or a span of days. You don't right. really know when that's going to happen either. Right. So yeah, I think we knew, but then at that point you're like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Like, do I start preparing for school or do I wait? Like, what if, you know, I miss the first few weeks of school or what if I miss first few weeks of second semester? Like, you don't know. So that was interesting. Just like everything was up in the air, but you had to be ready to make any decision at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. So that was stressful. That is stressful. Yeah. We may circle back to this, but the question that came up for me right now as I'm sitting here thinking about this. So as the last 10 years have gone by, Mm -hmm. what has it been like when you're actively grieving and people are saying, you know, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on for you? Did you find yourself wanting to be honest and couldn't be more honest? Did you ever feel like there were people in your life that you could say, you know, I'm actually doing really poorly right now. My mom just died and I feel like shit. Yeah. Um, Well, you're definitely one of those people that I'll be honest with. I'm sure you've realized that grief makes people uncomfortable. Death makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like when people actually ask you how you're doing, they don't always mean it. They're just like, hey, what's up? But over, I guess, 10 years is a really long time. It's kind of just always been like an undertone. Like you, I I don't, I didn't necessarily change as a person on that day, but like you're always thinking about it. And like some days are better than others, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But you definitely think about it all the time. Like you're never not thinking about it, but it's not always weighing on you, I, I guess. Yeah. It's bigger on certain days and feels heavier mm-hmm. than on other days. You can fold it up and put it in your purse and it'll be carried with you. Yeah. And it's lighter. Right. When those days come, when it's heavier, are those the days that you notice that being open and honest with others is very difficult for you or is it the opposite experience where when it because it's heavy you feel the need to reach out to people so the days where it's obviously acknowledged by everyone is like mother's day oh mm -hmm. well (laughs) it's an obvious one like you said yeah exactly so it's on those days it's kind of just like implied 
But other days, yeah, I guess I don't really, I don't reach out or talk about it. Sounds bad when you say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever recognized that for yourself? Yeah. I guess I don't do that. Yeah. No. And then it just doesn't seem like something you would bring up. Like it's easier to talk about having a bad day because work was bad than being like, oh, well, you know, I was just really sad today because of this baggage I'm carrying for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When then using the term baggage, right, has such a negative connotation that we all don't have shit that we've carried and has impacted us and that we have had happen to us. Right. And as you said, work being bad, it's a more common experience that I would assume majority of the population who has a job can relate to. (laughs) Most days. And as we both said, there's a dead mom's club that not everyone's in yet. Yeah. So it's not relatable. For those of you that don't know, listening to this podcast, as Katie mentioned, my mother passed away. Well, Katie didn't mention. She implied (laughs) that this is how we connected. But my mother also passed away um, in October of 2009. So shortly, almost a year full circle with Katie's mom. And my grief counselor, not too long ago when I was in grief counseling again, She said something to me so profound for me that I use it all the time now that she looked at me one day because I went into her office and I was so frustrated. And I can imagine that this is a feeling you may, uh, what's the word I want to use, relate to or can feel with me, but maybe have never put words to it, but where you just want to shake your friends or these people (laughs) in your life so hard for not understanding how you're feeling and like how dare they expect you to be happy or how dare they not acknowledge that these things have happened to you and she looked at me and said susan they're never going to get it (laughs) until one of their parents dies right exactly and that is not their fault yeah and i just sat there like okay (laughs) it's so true and it's 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 not their fault but there's yeah there's just this like extra emotion that you don't have room for and people don't get that yeah it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't like discomfort in this society. We have a major problem with being uncomfortable in this society, which I think opening the door to these sorts of conversations is the momentum that we need to stop being so uncomfortable, hopefully decrease some of that discomfort because these are all human experiences. Everyone's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they come up with a way, as they say in Golden Girls, to chop your heads off and freeze them <laughs> so you can come back to life. Uh, yes, I hope they do that before Betty White passes away. <laughs> she needs to live forever. Yes. Oh, literally. my gosh. That reminds me, passes away. So something my mom hated was when people said that. Because it's like, she's like, I'm not passing away. I'm dying. Dying. And you need yep. to recognize that there's a difference. Saying dying makes people uncomfortable, too. Everyone will be like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss or so-and-so passed away. I love that. I love that you just said that. They d- Where did I lose them? Yeah, exactly. They didn't go fall down the drain. No. Yeah, it's just something that I, I try to incorporate that when I am talking about anything to people. I'm like, they're they're dead, whether or not you believe in an afterlife or anything like that. Like they're, they're no dead. longer here. So I love that you said that. And I love that you pointed that out, that I've been saying those words because that's something I'm actively also wanting to do. And it's so hard. You still catch yourself using words passed away. I'm so sorry for your loss. Yep. You mean to say death. That mm-hmm. is the I don't know if I don't think anatomical is the right word I want to use, but that is the <laughs> correct scientific term for when a body is no longer breathing and living. Right. It's death. Plants die. Humans die. Animals die. We need to acknowledge what it is so that we can stop being so uncomfortable. Right. Right. And it's not something I ever would have given a second thought had it not had my mom not specifically said that to me. And I was like, that's so true. And now people say it and I'm like, they're not passing away. They're dying. Right. So. I don't even know what passing away would actually apply to. 
Yeah. I'm passing a car in the left <laughs> lane. You make a good point, too, just about how we don't recognize it until somebody calls it out to our attention because it is so accepted in society to say these common pleasantries of passing away, sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I really hated after the few experiences of death and grief that I've had in my life was people saying you're so strong. (laughs) Wanted to slap people in the face. (laughs) What else do you expect me to be? Exactly. Like, what are you supposed to do? Die? Yeah. That's my other option. Yeah. Which is not my favorable one, but yeah. Yeah. We sort of have this expectation in society. I think we're getting away from it. And maybe you can share a little bit about if you feel like we're getting away from it or not, of that you're supposed to wear your grief on the outside. And so if you don't look sad and you don't act sad, Mm -hmm. how can you be sad and grieving? Right. I don't even know how I would function in my daily life, like showing grief on the outside. It just, it's not feasible. Yeah. And even like at funerals, you're kind of, you're so busy. You're so distracted. It's like you're there because you're supposed to be, not necessarily because it's helping you with any type of grieving, I don't think. Well, they say funerals are for the living. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, like we said, that person's already dead at that point. Yeah. And it's like, I barely even remember. Well, I remember a lot of things from my mom's funeral, but none of them were me like getting closure. (laughs) She had a a military service. Mm -hmm. Um, She's buried at Quantico National Cemetery. And the there's two, I guess, um, military people. I don't know if they were enlisted or officers <laughs> or what their title was or their job was supposed to be. Um, folding the flag uh-huh. that was over her it's like service members. Yeah, and one of them couldn't do it. They could not fold the flag. They retried. Like we were all standing there watching. Like it's part of the of the service, and they she couldn't fold the flag. And we were. Whoa. I was laughing, and I couldn't stop laughing. Like obviously, I ha- was having a hard time managing my emotions could not stop laughing and shoot that poor woman i will never forget that and i was she laughing <laughs> she was not laughing <laughs> and the guy trying to help poor guy her partner was just trying to help her fold this flag yeah so like i remember that but like you know i don't remember getting closure or feeling better or anything like that it sounds like you were just trying to get through it yeah yeah and you found maybe joy is the wrong word here but you found humor which is very normal and appropriate. As you said, your emotions are all over the place. Oh, yes. I find humor in most things relating to death. That is my coping mechanism. Yeah, as it is for many people, right? And as you and I both listen to true crime comedy podcasts where they talk about death and crime and murder, and it's funny because that is how a majority of humans deal with something as uncomfortable and real as death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've also found that I think Things like that, like I like you said, listen to a lot of murder podcasts, <laughs> affect me less because it wasn't part of my life. You know, it's like hearing these stories, I just feel removed from them. Like hmm. I don't necessarily feel for those stories as much as I would feel for stories that are around people I know, which I find weird. I should probably unpack that at some point. <laughs> Sounds like compartmentalization, yes, as you said before. Exactly. Yeah. You are a degree removed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like I can listen to these stories and just keep them completely separate from my actual emotions. I just want to know what happens. I need the resolution. (laughs) Who killed Jean Bonnet? Exactly. Oh, that is a great question. Glad you brought that up. I think it was the brother, but her whole family was in on it. I'm shaking my head. Yes, because (laughs) I uh, this is speculation alleged. We do not know. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. I would agree. Yeah. How has 2020, the pandemic, COVID, been for you? 
how has that impacted your journey and experience with grief and death and loss? That's a good question. And I feel bad saying this, but I almost feel unaffected by the pandemic. It took me a little bit. I was very frustrated when it first started working at home, being locked in. As you know, I'm a social butterfly. Mm -hmm. Love going out, drinking with people, strangers, whatever. Um, So at first it was a really hard adjustment. And then I think after about a month, I kind of just settled in to what they now call the new normal and was thriving in it. Like the work from home situation, being able to be home all the time. I bought so many new pairs of sweatpants. (laughs) Like it... It was just all the things I loved in life I was able to do all the time, mm-hmm. except for obviously the going out and socializing part. But I don't really think the w- I think the way I feel about the pandemic is that I kind of just paused my life. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that it's affected me like in the grief process at all. Like I don't feel sadder about it or anything like that. It's kind of just I'm just like waiting until I can press play again. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the experience for a handful of people that, you know, thank goodness, and we are not here to discount that COVID has not taken the lives of thousands and thousands of people and really tremendously impacted people negatively. Right. There's also this other side of the pandemic that people are thriving in and it has done people well, Yeah. which is very difficult. You know, there's there's this theory behind the ability to hold two conflicting truths in your head at the same time where it doesn't make sense that we can be experiencing a worldwide pandemic that is killing people yet still be doing really well. Right. Like focusing on myself, which is weird. Like you don't normally have the time for that. Yeah. The universe gave you a pass in a weird way. Yeah. 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 And you got to stay home and do the things that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I got to spend time with my cat. (laughs) He sees yeah. me 24 hours a day. <laughs> I don't know what our animals are going to do when we go back to work. Katie is sitting on uh, the day bed that I have in my office, our loft space right now, and the, she's got the dog next to her. There's a cat <laughs> on the other side of her. Our animals are not going to know what, what to do when we go back. Yeah, we're all living our best lives right now. Yeah. So how do you feel about, you know, I, as you said, I really appreciate that you felt like I was someone that you could talk to. Do you find that difficult within our broader friend group of when someone asks how you're doing? Is there a part of you that's like, well, Susie, I'm actually having a really crappy day, but yet you don't say it. Yeah. So I actually think we're lucky in the sense that I think any of our friends would have that conversation. It would be more than willing to. I think I just got so used to not doing that. It's, it's just second nature. Like, I, I don't even know if it, I would ever even think to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why I think so very early on, like when my mom was first diagnosed, I didn't even tell anybody, like it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I wanted to, I guess, deal with or people to know, which is very weird. Cause it's the exact, like everything's the exact opposite today. Like when things like that happen, people find out immediately. Um, so I think from the beginning, it wasn't something that I shared and I, I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah. That's curious. Curious as in it's not that strange I think we've heard that before and do you think it could have had anything to do with your family like did y'all were you can keep secrets quote-unquote but were you a family that what happens in our family stays in our family or was there this maybe this attempt to like this isn't happening and so if I don't talk about it it's not happening yes I definitely think it was the latter <laughs> yeah yeah and, and just like you don't necessarily want to deal with the questions that you don't have answers <sighs> to so I think that was my defense mechanism was like well if we don't talk about it 
it's not happening. Like, I don't have to worry about this or people don't have to worry about me worrying about this. When did that shift for you when you couldn't pretend like it wasn't happening anymore? That's a good question. So in middle school, I had close friends, but I really only had one best friend. And her family did know because like, there's no way to keep that kind of secret. Right. So I think in high school, I (laughs) was in band. Um, what did in, you play? So I was doing concert band and marching band. So I was in percussion and concert band and nice. then drumline and marching band. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't the only girl every year, but for at least half the time I was the only girl, which was I loved it. It was That's great. amazing. Yeah. These boys were so simple minded is the wrong word. <laughs> they were just so easy to get along with. Like they were up front. There was no like boys are just they're See, great. Y'all, girls and boys can get along and play sports and go in bands exactly. and do things together. Yeah, I had the best time. Um, so yeah, a drumline was the best time of my life. But in band, I met my close group of friends that a lot of which I'm still best friends with now, um, which is great. And I think that's kind of when I transitioned. Like I had more of a support system, like parents were friends, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. How did that feel? Did you notice a shift? When you were able to have other people in your life that knew and you didn't have to keep it to yourself? I think it was nice. It was actually everyone's parents knowing that was easier, I guess, because I don't, it was just a level of understanding that mm-hmm. was nice to have. Mm-hmm. And they still send me presents like to this oh day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I yeah. love that. It is great. What speaks to what you said earlier about there being a constant undertone? Mm-hmm. It would be great if we all just sort of knew that this stuff was going on in our lives. And I think there's a push for that in society that you don't know what other people are going through. So you should maybe just assume that they might have had a bad day or something not super great and kosher is going on in their life. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you had the same experience of once all the adults knew there was this undertone of, okay, we're all on the same page. I don't have to pretend like I have it all together anymore. If I do have a bad day, no one's going to freak out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is an interesting point. I feel like people do the craziest things And then you have to think about it. You're like, you have no idea what they're going through. Like some people could be considered have anger management issues. And it's like, I'm sure that's being driven by something. Oh, it came from somewhere. Absolutely. And it's hard to, you have to constantly remind yourself of that, that we don't know people's struggles. Yeah. It makes me think of mom jokes. How did, do you remember how you used to respond to to dead mom jokes? (laughs) Uh, My college roommate, who I'm still really good friends with to this day, I was just in her wedding, said a your mom joke to me freshman year we were in the creamery at nc state if anyone wants to you know know the scene and she immediately started crying (laughs) and i will never forget that and like i said i get humor out of all of this my favorite thing when someone says your mom joke is to say my mom's dead just to see their reaction yes and it's like i'm not offended by it it doesn't bring up any like hidden emotion like it doesn't upset me when people make your mom jokes i have the best time with it Like, I'm going to get them. Yeah. Just wait till this is over. It's amazing. Yep. I wish that they were more popular still. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've turned a corner in society of recognizing that those are not (laughs) great jokes to make because of people's relationships and experiences and potential death with their family members that we should probably stop saying your mom jokes. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I can still vividly see the reaction of a handful of people in my life of that didn't know me very well and thought that those were funny and you could see the other people that knew around you get really quiet and they're like i'm not gonna laugh at that yeah they're like what and you're like my mom's dead (laughs) and then they're like oh shit Uh, even last night i was i told you we had gone to drive shack which is really fun for anyone that has not been 
Um, and I was talking to a group of people and we were talking about something from our childhoods and they're like, yeah, you should ask your mom about that. And I was like, wish I could, buddy. <laughs> like, you know what? I will. I'm going to write it down, put it in the mail. It'll yep. somehow get to her. Yep. Next time I see her, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll definitely remember yeah. to ask her that. <laughs> there are so many subtleties in our culture and society that put these emphasis on relationships that are expected to be there. Mm-hmm. I was just reading an article last night. So there's another podcast that if humor and death is something that interests you, uh, it's called Dying of Laughter. It is by a woman named Chelsea. She is out in California and her dad died, I believe, when she was in college her freshman year of college, but I could be misspeaking to that. And then her mother is actually re, she was in remission and now again has cancer. And so she made a podcast called Dying of Laughter and she talks about death and involves humor. She's a comedian. And there was an article that she posted or maybe pulled information from another group about the rate at which people under the age of 18 and 25 will lose a parent. And it is increasing significantly And that we need to change how we talk to people and how we expect people's lives to look. That just because you have both your parents, that doesn't mean other people have both their parents. Right. I mean, it makes me think back to growing up. Did you ever have a friend in your life that maybe was raised by the grandparents or an aunt or uncle or someone that didn't have both parents? And then you recognize like, oh, I should probably stop saying your parents mm-hmm. because you may not be raised by your parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something to think about. It's like, oh, go home and ask mom and dad. (laughs) What if there isn't a mom and dad? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Something that we are making strides towards, but interesting to think about because for years and years and years, that's been the case. And you still run into people who, again, back to what we said about it not being their fault, their experience is that they have a living mom and or dad. And so when they encounter you, it is normal to expect that you have the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. <laughs> what are these cats doing over here? They're visiting. They're making, they're going to make an appearance on this podcast one day. They're so cute. For now, they're just demanding attention. They're much quieter than my cat. Yeah. He would disrupt this entire experience. <laughs> Ours are being pretty quiet, which yeah. is great. What are you doing now? You mentioned Animal Crossing and walks. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about what you are doing now to take care of yourself And then after the conversation we just had, how do you think you'll carry the message of maybe being more open and honest with other people forward? Yeah. So I've been doing a lot for myself recently. Like I said, I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, I've been focusing a lot on skincare. Love. Yes. Just bought a face brush, which is great. So that's going to be fun. Um, I've been doing my walks. Even when it rains, I'll go out and do walks. That's awesome. Yeah. Just I feel guilty if I don't. And I don't know when that happened. I've never really felt guilty about not exercising. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Your life, like a year ago, you're like, I never walked. Yeah. Now if you don't walk, you're like, I have to walk. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So just trying to get exercise and kind of like, I only see myself a lot most days or my roommate. Mm -hmm. And it'd be nice if when I look in the mirror, I'm like, wow, Katie, your skin looks great today. You know, that'd be nice. Um, So that's what I'm doing currently. Looking forward, like I said, I don't have a plan. I really feel like I'm just waiting Mm -hmm. until things go back to normal. You're right. I probably should uh, create an action plan for that. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, we're as as y'all know, I'm a therapist. So something I work with clients on is around this idea of acceptance that if we do wait for, quote unquote, what it was prior to 2020, I don't think a lot of our life will look like it did prior right. to 2020. We have a, a bar here that others can relate to called Boxcar. <laughs> And if you live in a town that has an arcade slash bar, it's very similar to that. 
it was so packed all the time. And if you think about the environment that we would go to willingly to be with people in, you would have drinks spilled on you. You would be back to back with people. You would have smoke blown in your face. I can't fathom doing that again. Yeah. I actually miss Boxcar more than most things that we've had to sacrifice during this pandemic. And I can't even imagine what that's going to look like when we get back. And so I think that is a good example of life will look different moving forward Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. And if we can embrace some of that, it might help us identify that this is part of our new normal. Living in fear doesn't have to be the new normal, but that we are going to shift how things look when we go out in public. It's hard to even imagine. And I can't even imagine, I feel like we've all become such introverts during this time because you've had to be. Yeah. That how exhausted are we going to be from actually socializing in large groups? Oh, I know. I I don't know how I'm going to handle that. (laughs) I was just talking to Josh about that the other day about how when we have slowly gone out and done things outside in public and seen small groups of people where we felt safe, if I'm not home by like 930 to do my nighttime routine. Yeah. My heart begins to race. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. I got to get home right now. It gets dark out and you're like, I should already be in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At 4 p.m. <laughs> Integrating back into society is going to look very interesting. Yeah. And even before at work, my our office had a couple thousand people working in it. I haven't seen that many people. At one time. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't even know what Constance. I'm going to do. Being in an elevator with somebody, what do you say? I have no (laughs) idea. Don't breathe on me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't. And making eye contact with people and actually being able to see their facial expression. Yeah. I can't imagine that either. There's so many things we're going to have to readjust to. We're going to be like aliens trying to figure out life on Earth. <laughs> like just putting like mimes, putting our hands up like, what is this? Yeah. And then I'm going to forget to smile at people because even now I, there's a lot we're going to have to overcome <laughs> for sure. I'm going to have to change my face. Yeah. When yeah. people can see my mouth again. Do you, Would you say you've learned anything about yourself now that you've had more time to spend with yourself? I love being lazy and I kind of knew that before, but you didn't really have the opportunity for it as much. Yeah. I could sit on the couch all day long, (laughs) not get up once and I would be happy. Be like, this is great. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I really feel like part of what I was doing before, like I would always be out or doing something, meeting with people. And I, it was just FOMO. Like I had the biggest fear of missing out on social events. And now it's like, Obviously, I've survived without those. Mm-hmm. So will I be doing anything after that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so I definitely learned I can be. I know this isn't a real thing, but I've always felt like an extroverted introvert. And now that's I've, definitely a thing. Yeah. And now I've proven to myself that I think I might just be an introvert forcing myself to attend social events. Ah, <laughs> social pressure is yeah. real. But I do well in them. Like I, I mean, it's very I find it very easy to talk to strangers. Yeah. But at the same time, I could go all day without talking to someone and be totally fine. Yeah. So I'm not really sure how you'd classify that. I think you said it perfectly. Yeah. You said it perfectly. Well, you know, we have a ways to go, I think, before we'll encounter concerts or other large crowd activities. But good things to recognize about yourself moving forward, which may cause you to change your priorities when we can go out in larger crowds and do things of what do you want to keep mm-hmm. and what would you like to see maybe go back to similar to pre-pandemic times? Yeah. And so crazy. I used to have my weekends book back to back because mm-hmm. I felt like I had to. It's like it's the weekend. I have to do brunch and then we're going to go day drink and then we're going to go do dinner. And then the next day, you know, we have plans for X, Y and Z. And now it's like I can be just fine. I survived doing nothing for more than a weekend. 
yeah, it's going to be nice not exhausting myself. Like I was always so tired on Mondays, even if I didn't day drink on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Drinking looks very different now. It really does. Yeah. For the first part of the pandemic, a group of us were just meeting in parks and drinking, which yeah. is obviously illegal. But I mean, <laughs> I won't tell you which park, but it's like that was what we did. We just hung out in a park and had dinner. And I was like, that's so it, I don't know. It's weird that that was the highlight of your week. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine your mom being alive right now during this time? Oh, my gosh. So my mom was a labor and delivery nurse. Oh, my gosh. So that would have been very interesting to have her working during this time. She was a very empathetic person. Mm -hmm. Like she cared for everyone else more than she would ever care for herself. So I think this would have actually been really hard for her. Mm -hmm. And I don't even I don't know how she would react. She'd be really sad. I don't know if she'd be angry about the length of time this has lasted. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's hard to imagine how someone would act during a pandemic. I didn't you think that they're fake. You watch TV and you hear them mentioning epidemics and pandemics and you're like, that'll never happen. Yeah. So that alone is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I think she would have been doing whatever she could to help people. Mm -hmm. To this day, I still donate blood only because my mom guilt tripped me into it as a kid, <laughs> not as a kid, as a as a young adult. <laughs> She's like, well, I can't donate blood. So you have to. And at the time I was like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, no. I don't like blood or needles. <laughs> But I did it anyway. And so now that's you asked me earlier, like how I cope with things. If I ever am feeling sad or like on her birthday or if I want to give back, I'll go donate blood. I love that. Yeah. I forgot about that. What's well, something tangible that you get to do? Yeah. And hopefully she had so many blood transfusions, like so many bone marrow transplants. I've been on the bone marrow registry since I was old enough to be on it. Wow. So like 16, probably. Yeah. And I'm just waiting for the day that I get a call. Wow. We went to a music festival and they had a, a tent set up for registration and I made all my friends do it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's so rare that you get a match. And it's like all I've ever wanted was to donate my bone marrow to somebody and I'm just begging mm -hmm. for it. But better knock on this table. I know. Maybe yeah. it'll happen. Maybe. We'll manifest it. I'll be, I'll be fine. If anyone with that. needs a bone marrow transplant. Yeah. Do you know your blood type? Oh, positive. All right. I don't yep. know if that has anything to do with bone marrow, but, <laughs> you know, just in case. Or a, or a blood transfusion. Let me know. I got you. And Katie's healthy. She's fit. Yeah. All the walking. <laughs> she's ready to donate her blood. Yeah. I think that's beautiful to have something that you do that makes you feel like you're giving back and it is related to the experience that mm -hmm. you had with your mom and the disease that took her life in yeah. the end. And now you get to give back to other people. Yeah. There's only so much you can do, but that's one of them. Yeah. Before I let you go, how are you today? Just how are you doing if someone were to ask you that? So I'm asking you that. Yeah, I think it's really bad timing for that question because I'm actually doing pretty great today. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm sure I have been better. <laughs> um, I'm excited. Susan and I are actually going to brunch after this. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a good day. Um, it's sunny, but very cold. Yes. Um, I need it to snow. I know. It's, yeah, it needs to either snow or get warm. Like I don't get tired of this in between. Um, yeah, but I'm actually doing pretty great today. This was fun. Good. Yeah. Thank you for being here. And I'd love to have you back and we'll, you know, revisit in, you know, a handful of months and weeks and we'll see what happens with the world. But I really wanted to thank you, Katie, because you again mentioned how we, our friend group is very supportive. And that is something that we have cultivated. And I think over time as this podcast goes on and y'all continue to meet these people that have touched my life as well as Katie's life in many ways, we are very lucky to have this broad friend group that does care about talking about these topics and is willing to talk about these topics because I hear that that doesn't exist for as many people. And that's really sad. 
So I'm very grateful to have you in my life. And I do feel that people who are in the dead mom club, dead dad (laughs) club, dead sibling club, dead friend club, find each other. They find each other. And it is serendipitous may not be the best word because it has such a positive spin on it. But (laughs) I'm blanking on another term right now of just life is very funny and who you will end up being close to and making connections with. So I'm very grateful that you were willing to be here today and to share your story. And thank you for always bringing humor (laughs) to these sorts of situations. Well, yes. Thank you for having me. I agree. I think our friend group is great. I may be biased, but... Just a little. Yeah. No, this was fun. And I'm excited for the future of your podcast, too. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod.